Best Practices, a podcast about the process of creating software. I'm your host, Ross Hunter, joined by Jason Sitch and Jace Browning. Today, we're going to talk about monorepos. And Jace, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? I know you have a lot of thoughts and feels about this topic. Sure. So so monorepos, I'm going to go through some definitions so we can get on the same page of what we're talking about. I'm aware of three different definitions of monorepo. Uh, one is all of your company's code is in one repository. Pretty sure Google used to do this. I hear they don't anymore, but it's more around like a permissions management system and it's just easier sometimes, I guess, to do that. Uh, another uh, definition I'm aware of is more or less just grouping related components. Like say you have, say you're doing like React, you might have, you might put all your React code into one repository. Even if they're not necessarily related, you just have all your components in one place rather than having uh, like different sections of your application broken out into separate repositories. And then the third definition I'm aware of is, is the most, is what I'm most used to is just the idea of putting front-end and back-end code into the same location. Uh, is anybody else aware of monorepo meaning anything different? I'm most familiar with that last uh, definition. Uh, it seems pretty ambitious to put uh, all of your company's code into one uh, repo. That doesn't even really compute. Like, how do you are you can how do you contribute to like open source by like forking repos and stuff like that? Like, it seems seems somewhat bonkers to me. Right, and the I think the company's doing that. I don't think they're using Git. I think when Google was doing it, they were using Perforce, um, which is a little better at the idea of like only doing partial checkouts. But it it does sound like madness to me. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. Uh, I've also seen places do it with uh, Subversion for basically just doing like version controlled Dropbox and just throw all their files in Subversion in directories. Because subversion is can also kind of do like a better partial checkout like that, but that's not really version control. Then you're not really you're not really taking advantage of everything version control can do. What about um, like I know I know I've worked on projects where we've had a ton of like little microservices with all different repos, and that can be a pain to manage when they depend on each other. Seems like a mono repo would be kind of nice to have all that housed. You know, like if if your projects took that form, uh, it might be nice. Yeah, so like maybe we could talk about like what we uh, have experiences with. Have we experienced? Uh, have we experienced a monorepo? Experienced going to or breaking apart? Well, so back in the day, uh, everything was a monorepo by your second, by your third definition of just having front end code and back end code live together. Um, you know, the a monolith, if you will, like. That's just how you used to do it. Um, it's it's very popular nowadays to have uh, you know a front end front end client um, and a back end server, and there are you know advantages and disadvantages to that. Um, one of the, one of the you know air quotes disadvantages is that they are usually you you split them up into separate uh, repos, um, and you have to like deploy them together and you know stuff like that 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 can become a problem. Um, or 
at, you can throw them together um, and have like a client folder and a uh, API folder. Um, and you can even do stuff. I've, I've experienced this on um, small projects. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of doing some GiveCamp type hackathon um, projects where you don't necessarily want to spend a bunch of time setting up a bunch of tooling. Um, and so you like build the client every time you make code changes um, and put it in the client folder. Um, that's not an ideal situation, um, but it's easier than trying to manage two separate deployments. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the main advantages of breaking things up is having like specialized tooling. You know, you can run just the tests you'd need for your against your front end and your back end. Um, it also like it, it kind of gets into the topic of just having clean code bases, getting to start over, getting to have like pull things apart. Um, monoliths, at least all the ones I've worked with, seem to be cluttered. What do you mean by cluttered? Uh, like because there's so much in there, there's less incentive to keep cleaning it up and keep refactoring. Uh, you know, because eventually. No, eventually you get to the point where nobody knows where anything is. So nobody knows that anything's in the wrong place or nobody knows that this should be deleted. Where if it's a very focused repository it's, it's, and you could actually keep the whole thing in your head, uh, it's, it's a little more obvious where, where cleanup can be done. I'd buy that. Yeah, it seems like especially if you have... Um, like if it's just straight up project folders like at a top level, but as soon as you start adding other things besides projects themselves that are independent that may glue those things together, like that could be messy to manage, it seems like. I don't know if I've really had experience with it. I've had experience with the front end, back end being combined. And I think you have enough cohesiveness there that it makes sense to keep those things bundled together and not separate them because separating them i i don't know there's a promise of like um independent deployability with like separating things and you oh you could deploy the front end or the back end but um i've uh even though i've been on projects that have done that i've never felt like a great advantage by that <laughs> being able to deploy things differently or you know manage things differently it's been more of a headache trying to keep them in sync actually from what i've experienced yeah, I think where I've ended up is you should put the front end and the back end together if they need to be deployed together or if they happen to be deployed together. Um, so if you're building uh, like an API for a front end client and you just you naturally just deploy them at the same time, why not just store them together and deploy them as like a combined bundle? Um, if now, if your client is independent, say like a like a mobile app or something, there's no way to deploy your API and your mobile app at the same time. Then it probably is reasonable to keep them keep them separate. Yeah, I was just about to ask about that because that seems like they're still like highly cohesive, but the deployability thing comes into play there. Where it's yeah, you don't deploy the two things at the same time. Probably there's enough separation where. I don't know. I mean, it's just a new thing, right? With like UIs, moving to spot frameworks and front end stuff. It's like, oh, we should, it seems like a separate project. Let's do a separate thing for it. But it's not really. It's just, it's just the front end of your website. Yeah. In a different it, folder. Yeah. It also then like affects the development experience. 
And I think having separate separate repositories is always worse for the development experience, uh, at least in my experience. Because if you're like, say, doing a full stack feature and you're working on like mobile clients, you now have to like check out five different repositories and get them all spin all spun up, and then somehow have to find out how to talk to each other. And if the tooling changes in one, it's going to break everything else. Um, you have to like build other tools just to kind of manage the connections between them all. Uh, yeah, I've been I'm working on this one project where the uh, so it's a it's a Django app with a uh, ClojureScript front end, and we are just running it as a Django app and having Django serve everything up, even though that isn't like the most scalable solution in terms of you'd, you'd want to put like assets on S3 or something. We're not doing any of that. We're just relying on caching, but it makes development really nice and testing really nice. And I think, I think I'm glad we made that decision now so that we can develop quickly. And then later down the line, you know, we can split up the, the deployment into like separate pipe, separate pipelines if we need that for, for performance. What if you had a front end team though? Mm-hmm. Uh, that worked only on the front end, uh, they might have some advantages to having, uh, air quoting here, their own repo. Right. Um, they could have their own uh, workflow uh, separate from the API's workflow, um, which, again, could, could be an advantage or could be a, uh, a disadvantage. Um, having, like, you know, just cleaner readme, at, mm-hmm. like we were talking about, like when i'm writing code i try to separate it into concerns um and separate those into different files and move stuff away from uh other stuff that's unrelated um so i can i there are definitely times where it feels cleaner to be working on just the api or just the front end yeah and then it's kind of a uh well, I think it has to do with team size, right? A large enough team, you're going to need to do that, right? I don't think, uh, well, I, I don't know what the limits are. Like, how many people could independently work on a full stack application in a single repository? There must be some limit. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, but if you could split, if you do have like a dedicated team, then, then splitting it up makes sense. But then it's kind of like a lifestyle choice. Do you want your front end to simply be a like consumer of your back end is, is your back end a dependency of your front end because then you're almost like forcing some amount of politics on your team because now the front end team can be like well the the back end team didn't get our stuff in time that's why the feature is not working where if it's a full stack if it's if the full stack is in one repository you can't possibly make that argument because then everyone's responsible the whole thing. That's definitely a lifestyle choice there about how you want to live. I do, I do believe like it's like just keep it simpler with smaller teams. It seems like um, you don't need to go crazy dividing things up and creating Docker containers if you have like two people working on a project. And like I don't know, focus on the actual app, the actual product, or whatever you're working on. Right. So then where, I guess, where do you land on, so like microservices? Because you could instead, like instead Ross, instead of saying we have a front end team and a back end team, you could have lots of full stack slices of your app split up into separate, separate repositories. Yeah. So the, 
the front end back end split is not the only split you can do. Uh, it's the most uh, common, I would assume. Um, but yeah, if you have separate services that that span a stack, um, uh, that seems it seems strange to me to have like a uh, you know login service that had that and have its own repo that contains both front end and back end code related to logging in. Um, and then after, you know, after that successfully completes, you would get handed off to another, uh, service. Uh, that sounds, that sounds strange, uh, and not the best way to structure your code to me. Um, and especially in terms of, I mean, I think technology is what technological borders, I think, make sense to split up repos. Um, whereas, if the if they're all if they're all just like different lambdas for instance um or any other like grouped technology i would want to put all that code kind of together uh run all the same uh static analysis on it um you know have have an ownership of that of somebody who you know knows the technology well um those are reasons that you might want to have a a a repository split up on a on a tech on a technology border, um, one of them being ownership, like someone can own that repo. One one thing we're doing at work is we're pulling out our internal blogging platform that used to be part of this core monolith and pulling that out into a separate full stack repository. And I think that's like a perfect example of something, a time when you do that. Because uh, like, one, the code doesn't really belong there anyways. And then it also gives us an opportunity to do, uh, you know, some rewrite and refactoring a little bit easier. Uh, and then you're not seeing like, uh, like PR traffic related to the internal blog when it's you're actually trying to fix like critical bugs in a, in your core platform. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. That seems like a good breakup is having a blog. Lots of people do that anyways. They just have a WordPress blog, you know, or or some other hosted platform, and it's just a link to it. So, yeah, that that a great example of a time where I would want not want it to be in the same repo as my app code. So one benefit of having that front-end, back-end split, um, I can think of using something like... Uh, if you're using React or, or Ember or something where it might have its own CLI and then you have a backend that, you know, a Rails API or whatever, where, again, it has its own kind of CLI where you might want to just be running these two things in two different tabs um, of your terminal anyway. Um, I kind of like having that separation. Um, there again being able to focus and being able to have the proper tooling in the proper place rather than having like a bunch of tooling all together like do i run a rake command to do this or do i run like a yarn command to do this and so again i think there are there are times where you want those technological borders to to separate code yeah so then how do you so that that makes i can see how that would make development in the particular framework a little more enjoyable but then how do you do how do you manage um like testing like the, the full stack testing of new features so yeah testing is it can be difficult with that um you might need to have the front end be able to spin up the back end uh in test mode 
have a stubbed out version of the API. There, you, there are definitely some disadvantages with that. Um, the, the newest version of, uh, I keep talking about a Rails API, the latest version of Rails actually lets you write system tests um, that include, uh, you can run Webpacker and actually run Webpack and, and compile your front end. Uh, but I guess that's a reason where you would want the code altogether. So <laughs> it, it's definitely harder to test when you have the code separated like that. It's harder to do an integration test, but it's easier to write. It's easier to keep the code separated and separately tested. Because right. if, I'm, if I'm working on my API, I can just write request specs against that thing all day long. And I know that this part of the code is well tested. Right. It makes splitting it up makes possibly makes unit testing easier, but makes end-to-end testing harder. So which do you, I guess, which do you value more? I, I mean, obviously your unit tests. <laughs> uh, picture poison. Yeah, like in your, in the, like the, the testing pyramid, your unit tests are way more important. Those better be easy to write and run well. Um, but, you know, I think we've talked about this in other episodes where like, yeah, all the unit tests pass, and then you go to run the app, and it doesn't even, you can't even log in. Like, it doesn't even work at all. So you yeah. certainly don't want to focus I, on the unit testing so much that you didn't actually build a working product. Uh, it, if I had to pick up a project that had one or the other, I would take in, I would, I would take whatever you want. I would take a system test over a unit test, like, any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> not one system test. I would take a comprehensive system test suite over a comprehensive unit test suite any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want to touch a project that didn't have unit tests, but uh... it'd be very strange to have a <laughs> like good system test, but like not a single unit test anywhere. That would be strange, but but it could make sense for certain if all you're doing is integrating uh, other things. Uh, maybe maybe you don't need a unit test. Like if if you're using a lot of off the shelf software, a lot of um, you know. Uh, Ruby gems or NPM packages or whatever. If if you're just hooking stuff up, I, it, maybe the system tests are the more are 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 all you really need. So it also like again, if they're separate, if it's hard to and do your system testing, it's probably also maybe a little harder to manage your deployment uh, or know exactly what's deploying when. Now, if you have totally separate teams and they totally manage their deployments, and your front end team depends on your back-end team, then it's up to the back-end team to manage their deployment, get their stuff out and tested, make sure it didn't break the front-end with compatibility, and then it's up to the front-end team to do their deployment and make sure that they deploy and like are deploying on the right API versions and stuff. Now, if you're a giant team, maybe that's the best way to work, but I've definitely seen like small teams start that way and waste so much effort when they didn't have to. When I think, uh, I think a monorepo uh, would be better. I guess I'm saying, I think if you're a small team, you should start with monorepo. Like, maybe start there, outgrow it, and then, like, if you get to the point where you have multiple teams, like, you've really made it, then then you can justify breaking it up. There's, there's value in keeping your software soft, and if you're, if you're afraid that you're going to start a monorepo and you won't be able to tear it apart, you know, maybe your development style is not, um, or your process or, or architecture. I don't know. A lot of things. 
maybe it's it's not the best, right? Like I understand there's gonna be pain, but um yeah, don't get locked into like anything. Like hopefully you can keep your software soft and you know, be able to take it from a mono repo and split it out in ways that make more sense at the time that it's actually needed. Uh, it's a shame that if you build something like that and then you couldn't tear it apart, um, you know, you've, you've, you've handcuffed yourself. And I think it's, I, you may think, oh, well, I just can't do this one thing. But I think it's it's probably a theme in your, your software that things are tightly coupled and are not able to be torn apart if you can't do that. Might be smell. So I, I think it matters how easy it is to get started doing something. Uh, I almost always pick the easiest thing that's going to do the simplest thing that accomplishes the goal. Um, and sometimes that is having them be separate. Like uh, if you, you know, Google, Re- you know, getting started with React, it'll show you create React app, how to like start up a real quick app. Um, you know, if you want to get started building, uh, you know, a Rails API or whatever, there's a, an, an easy way to kind of bootstrap those. Um, but if you want to have Rails build your React app for you, like on on deployment, like it's getting easier nowadays. Um, there's, you know, Webpack is now integrated in the latest version of Rails and stuff like that. But it's still some more configuration than just pointing your client API, your client at your API. I think that is the simplest uh, thing a lot of the times. Yeah, that's that's one of my biggest critiques with like React and a lot of this modern tooling is it they seem quite inflexible if you actually want to like swap out the backend or, you know, integrate it with a Rails app or a Django app or anything like that. That is not definitely not the their like first case uh, like supported solution. Their first case supported solution is seems to be like you just live in their land and do it their way. Um, well, are you talking about switching from like a, like server side rendering to front end? Uh, I guess I'm talking about like running a an API that is not uh, not JavaScript. What is uh, and what what is an API that's not uh, JavaScript? I mean, like I'd not be interested doing like a in node, this. like a, a non-node backend. Non-node. Why? Why? Why do you say? See, that seems odd to me because um, front-end frameworks that I know of, they typically aren't prescriptive of the data that comes down. Maybe like if you use Ember with uh, JSON API specifically, it would be so, prescriptive so like a, about data formats. Yeah, like a specific example. Uh, we're we were trying to. Uh, you know, run run a Django process as is our you know that's our API, that's our models, it's our data, it's it's the Django admin. But we want to run a React front end. Uh, it's difficult to get the React like file watchers and builders to spit out just spit out JavaScript that I can include in the Django template and just serve it up. Their their dev mode doesn't even like write files to disk at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want me to run their server to do development and not run the Django server. So it's, it's, it's tricky. It, it takes work to get it to get them all to play nicely. Together. Okay. This comes down to developer tooling then. They want you to have it be a separate app, Jace. <laughs> I, apparently. Yeah, I know. I definitely, right. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, cause they even generate all the, you know, a lot of these project generators will spit out, like they'll spit out a readme. They'll spit out like all your, like, like platforms of service tooling. It's like it's yeah. It's like they think it should 
definitely be separate all the time. Well, yeah, they're going to suggest that because that makes that how can they cover all of the different um, solutions? So so is is React going to say, OK, yeah, if you're using Django and you want to include stuff in your templates, do this. If you're using Rails and you want to put stuff in your templates, do this. If you want to, you know, on and on, whereas they can say like, hey, just make this a client and. Uh, as Jason keeps uh, uh, referencing, like keeping keeping everything soft, keeping it composable. Like, yeah, swap out your backend, point at this other API. Like, we don't care if you wrote the API or if it's an or if it's a public API. You can interact with everything the same. Um, and so that's a mindset. I th- I think that mindset is actually good most of the time um, to just treat everything as an API from the front end. Um, and having it be a separate repo kind of puts you in that mindset. Uh, but it, it, so you can still be in that mindset with a mono repo. You just have to kind of train yourself uh, to do that. Yeah, I think it makes, it's a good mindset, the, certainly the composability. Uh, but it makes rapid prototyping a little more difficult because, you know, say, say you're using, you know, you're using Rails. Is building a separate client that communicates over an API the simplest thing you could do? If or or is is just a like Rails views the simplest thing you could do? Depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah, and it depends what your team looks like. If you have somebody that doesn't know Rails but knows you know Ember or Angular or whatever, um, they, it might be just as easy for them to spin up right. a, a a a fat client. Yeah, I'd, I'd love it to. I'd love it if all the frameworks supported like a hybrid approach a little better, where you could write, you could handle like routing and some of your views from uh, a backend framework, but you could also gradually pull in more and more front end code. Maybe like some of your views are single pages. Uh, or they can share at least styling and things like that. I think the, I, so. I think React is what you're looking for. Where I, create React app is a separate thing, right? But React is just a, a front end like rendering library. You could include it on just certain pages. You don't have to do a full spa and like do routing and everything. In fact, there's no routing in React itself. Um, on the on the flip side, you can do like full bore like batteries included like Ember. And that that's a little different. Where it has, it's a lot more opinionated about where things are and how things work. Um, but I I, th- I think you're just seeing like, you know, like people want to build like full app with React and they start adding stuff to it. But the core of itself is just a library that runs on the front end and generates some HTML and fills in a div with it. So you can use that however you want. Um, just I, a lot of people choose to build like a whole app and do do a lot of stuff with it you know i think that's where maybe that that's starting to break down but it's on the flip side i can see where it could be a lot of work to try to integrate with backends with that too once you start especially since you're not you're not really in react at that point you're using react but you're using create react react app or something to dictate you know what stuff looks like at that point or you know other tooling yeah what i just really want and there's like a bunch of open issues on pretty much every like any like Webpack or Grunt or like any other modern front-end framework, there's a bunch of open issues for. I just want a mode where it'll watch the files for changes and spit out static JavaScript <laughs> that I can include 
wherever I want, regardless of how like the backend's going to use it. And they don't seem to want you to do that because the all those issues are still open. What about um, so going back to your Python closure script project, Line again seems to put yeah. stuff where you need it and right. build. That one does does have the mode I want. So I guess I just want all the uh, all the JavaScript tooling to a, a job line engine. Line in? Line in? Well, I said line again. Line again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't spent a lot of time with the, the new like Rails Webpack uh, integration stuff, uh, but my understanding is that, that once you get it, that all hooked up, it can like shove we, uh, Webpacked JavaScript arbitrarily <laughs> into your application. Um, so you can have, a, you know, React or Vue or whatever handling parts of your application without adapting, uh, you know, adapting the client server, you know, architecture entirely. Yeah. So, I mean, those are both tools then that, that Jace is looking for. Maybe there's not one for other technologies like Jan Python or Django or something, but Webpacker specifically for Rails, it's doing the thing that you're looking for. Lining it is specifically for like closure, closure script, and it was actually a build tool for closure before even closure script is uh, you know, a thing. So um, they just adapted it for the front end stuff, and that's probably the, what you need, right? You need something that knows about the back end, that's kind of focused on it, that knows how to build front end assets too. Yeah, the other, um, you know, so we're talking about you know, like the, you know, the Create React app wants to be its own server and keep it separate. Uh, but along with the, uh, like the testing is the, the review of, of pull requests and things like that. If there are separate repos, I have no idea what that like review app looks like on a pull request and how uh, it seems like if they're separate, then your only chance of doing some like real validation on your product is like a, some sort of staging server. And that might be later than you want to do that kind of validation and design review and all that. Yeah, it definitely complicates. Uh, you, you, need, you would need some sort of staging server. I, I've worked uh, in a situation where we did kind of have that. We had the review servers um, and we just kind of uh, spun stuff up on Heroku and they had to you know, there's environment variables that are about which URL is the client and you would need to have some staging client. Um, and, but it's still like, it, it's, oh, it is, it is complex. Um, you would need someone to manage that. Someone who really knew, uh, you know, Heroku review apps. Yeah. And like, so I, and I've gotten it working with, with, I've done, you know, Django and ClojureScript and now Django and React. I have examples of both of those working. It took some, you know, took some time, but now it's working and then it's like amazing. Like to be able to make a PR that touches, maybe it touches Django, maybe it touches React, maybe you just touch some CSS, some HTML or some, some database tables, whatever it is, you get a single endpoint to go, you know, a single deployed app to go test. And if it works there, you know it'll work in production. And that, that is amazing to have. Is that using is that using a mono repo or that is somehow tying together multiple repos? That is a mono repo. It is basically one directory is a Django app, a Django project. Another directory is a Create React app project. 
and then all of their uh, requirement specifications are moved up to the root because that's where, say, this is deployed to Heroku, that's where Heroku's gonna need to find them to do the installation. So it's a little bit of like, I think there's a little bit of sim linking around to get things in the right places. Uh, and, and again, I would love it if there was some tooling that would just spit out projects that look just like that. Because in my mind, that is the easiest way to get started is if you can uh, deploy your code immediately and see it and test it that way. Yeah, I think it'd be great to get more people seeing review apps. Um, I, I know like Heroku is very like tailored <clears throat> to do that kind of thing. I don't know what other build tools offer along those lines, but um, super useful tool. Be nice for it to be more widely used and available. Yeah, Heroku needs more competition there uh, because then because we've got these like all these new front end developers that probably have never seen that. Because, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to run your, your React like, dev server as a review app? Is that a thing people do? Or do they, maybe they're not even familiar with Heroku because Heroku is really for running like a back-end process. Or, I mean, there's some corporate environment that uses Jira and Bamboo, and I, I don't know, maybe Bamboo does that too. I haven't <laughs> used it in a long time. <laughs> you know, like it may be dictated, like this is how we do things. So I'm doing some work um, and I am uh, adjacent to some um, uh, enterprise e-commerce developers that are doing a lot of stuff in like demandware and stuff like that. And um, I I overhear them talking about builds um, and like builds taking uh, like literally a day to put together and then like multiple days of manual review. Um, this is what these people deal with like every day. Um, and yeah, if, if you could, I'm sure there are technological barriers given the technology stack that they're using. Um, but yeah, the idea that you could throw out a quick staging example of like throw out a review app and have somebody click a button and see it, um, is uh, light years away from from what these people are doing most of the time. So one advantage of model repos uh, that we haven't talked about is you you will save some money uh, if you're on GitHub because uh, you do pay per repo, right? That's or or, or change to per user. I always per forget. User now, I, think. I always forget. Ah. I'd hope that cost isn't your <laughs> cost is not should not be your deciding factor. Like I don't think it should be cost. I don't think it should be the structure of your team that decides it. Like it shouldn't, your repository shouldn't necessarily map to your org chart. Uh, And it shouldn't necessarily map to whatever tools just happen to spit out. It should, I think it should align to how how you want to actually deliver software. Like whatever, it should fit into how your process has you delivering software. And if your process has you testing every PR, as it should, then you should at least have tooling that's optimized for that, even if it's not a monorepo that is what gets you that deployment. So here's one for you, Jace. So you have a new, uh, a new developer that know, knows HTML and CSS um, and maybe has done a little bit of jQuery. Um, 
now you're saying that they need to get Elasticsearch running on their computer in order to like boot up the app. Um, you know, is that a too big of a barrier now where we have to, uh, you have to set up the whole app in order to do any part? I mean, I think you know what I'm going to say, <laughs> but, uh, I think I do. <laughs> uh, they would, they would clone the repo and they would type make run and the app would be running and they wouldn't think about anything else. And what is that actually doing? You shouldn't have to care. Uh, what I would have to do is, well, I would run Elasticsearch in Docker, I think. That seems like too hefty of a dependency to have to run in your machine. And then I think make run. So make run would spin up Docker, and I think it would also probably then run whatever backend server processes are needed, and then it would also run a, like file watcher for the front end. But I think I don't see enough projects doing that, like cons just consistent tooling. Um, and but that, yeah, that's that's what I would do. And if it's not a, even if it's a, and I don't think it would matter if it's monorepo or not, it should be like the, the new developer should be able to run one, like one thing and it should just work. Sounds nice. People love make files. They're, well, we'll have to have, we'll have to, that'll be a topic for another show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to our thoughts here on The New Best Practices. We are on the internet at thenewbestpractices.com. You can find our contact information there. We're on Twitter and whatnot. Feel free to yell at us. If you enjoy this program, please leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice and tell your friends. We are currently, very slowly, working on the next season, and any feedback is greatly appreciated. Thanks again. We look forward to next time.